I'm Ninja Sista. And I'm Pandalicious. And this is the Ashcast. This is Electric Sisterhood, podcast episode number 636. Panda still hasn't played God of War, and Ninja won't let it go. Electric Sisterhood, home of the original, the fucking original, girl gaming, tech gadget, and anime podcast. I am Ninja Sister. And I'm Pandalicious. Welcome to a brand new episode of our weekly podcast, Panda. Hi. Hi. I can look you in the eye. I know, you're in my my space of creation now. I am in your studio. It's, I mean, it's, it's getting still, studious. It's getting there. It's, it's actually... Step by step. Look, work in progress. Work in progress. For always. Progress not perfection. I mean, I can't say that this was me, because this is mostly husbando. Right. But, I mean, progress is happening. It's being made. Yeah. I can see it. Yep. I can see it. I have so my can. blue microphone. I gave him my original blue microphone. He gonna set up his. Who knows? Maybe, you know? maybe a his and her show. You maybe know, I think it would come be. Down, come down the line. That's a good space to do it. Maybe. But, but we're here to talk about video games and anime and all kinds of other stuff. On this, our podcast. So let's do that. Okay. Okay. One thing that I want to talk about is Ubisoft's Division 2. Okay. Because I've been playing the Division. I talked about it early when it came on and how I liked the character creator and, um, you know, the gunplay is still very balanced and it felt like, you know, they really took a lot of the feedback that the player base gave them on Division 1 and expanded it. This week, Ubisoft actually launched the first raid. Oh, okay. For the Division 2. And that is something that's also a little bit new. You know, they, they came up with missions and some specific objective um, and some some specific, like, campaigns that you could do post-game in Dark Zone in Division 1, but it really wasn't a raid in the sense that anybody that has played, you know, dungeon crawler-type games is familiar with. They actually built that for Division 2. Frankly, I was surprised. I didn't expect Division okay. 2 to have raids. At I, all. I feel like maybe their introduction to these is kind of like their response to Destiny in terms of raids and like instances mm-hmm. and strikes. Mm-hmm. Strikes are what they were called in that, right? Yeah. The three people and whatever. Yeah. So like maybe it was their way of trying to bring that mechanic into the Division and where you're kind of working in small squads. Well, Generally. You, you could you could work in a small squad. Or you could do it alone, right? In campaign or in the dark zone. So, like, you could form up with a team, and you could run with a team. Um, I did oftentimes play with a bunch of our friends from California when playing the Division 1. But, but this is very much a delivered campaign, like, multi-big-boss-level raid that they built. And I, it, it feels more to me like... They're recognizing and admitting to the community base, hey, we heard you that there wasn't enough non-repetitive post-campaign gameplay for the game. We've actually built out a roadmap. We've got raids that we've built. You can still continue to run, you know, Dark Zone stuff and 
and prestige and all those kinds of things. You can still run the whole campaign co-op, which the campaign this go around I felt was much deeper than the campaign in the first game. So it just feels like they took the whole, we hear you, it was too repetitive and also wasn't enough newness so that the repetitive didn't hit in fast and hard. Mm -hmm. And we've built that in. Like the response has been really fantastic. You know, we, both you and I know Stone Chin who manages PR for the game in North America and manages North American PR overall with a team. And it was really funny because I I was at work actually when the raid went live so I didn't get to like jump in like minute one. And first world problem. Right? Right? Oh my god, I had to be at my job that lets me buy things. Like this game. (laughs) Right? But it was so funny because I was, I work in social media. Um, Not everybody knows that, but... Surprise! Surprise! Uh, My day job is in social media, and so I happen to be trolling our Instagram and, and Twitter and Facebook, and as I finish the loop of my run through to make sure all the things that were supposed to be happening for us as a brand were happening... I bounced into my own personal. And the first thing I see is this awesome photo of Stone holding a fake gun. And he black and white it. I'm telling you guys, step your game up. Because Stone's Instagram, it's just... I'm not very good at it. I know that I, I, I show pictures of my natural hair journey. Yes, when, which is awesome. When, when, it, when it's looking good, you see it. When you don't see it, it's because something's gone wrong mm. and I'm fixing it. Yeah. Or it's when I've, I've made really delicious food. Mm-hmm. Or, actually, no, I think that's about it. It's food and my hair. Yeah. <laughs> Mine is adult beverages that I make that I'm very proud of or I'm having my dog. Food and games. Like, yeah. those are... Like, I just... I mean, you work at social media. We should talk. Yeah, we, we <laughs> so can, can talk, So right? I can understand but, my but presence Stone, better. <laughs> Stones is a great mixture of cleverness and humor and nerdism on, on a fantastic level. And also donuts, which also makes me happy. But it was just him with, like, this gun very much, like, posed in a very, you know, not menacing, but definitely... Overwatchy type of position, and the capture's just like watching the rage results come in. And I was just like, this is perfect. But, but you know, coming back to it, um, I, I have not yet been able to run the raid. Uh, I just haven't been able to, since it's gone live, get a good group together time base wise to be able to do it. Plus, my character is still super, super baby in the game just because I haven't been able to devote as much time to it. Uh, I'm working on moving right now, so it's. Yay! It's dramatic. You don't have to tell me. A couple of weeks ago, we were, we, I was ex- in the exact same place. Right. So and I was like, I want to die slowly. Right. <laughs> I've, I would much I would much rather welcome the sweet release of death than have to then continue to pack move these things. one more box. I just, I will not, I will not bubble wrap another fucking thing. If I have to go to Ikea one more time. Oh my God. Ikea, Ikea is a real test of relationship. But... We digress. My character is still super, super baby, and I've been trying to grind to get get up. Like, I haven't even finished campaign yet with my character. It's really sad that I've been so busy, like, establishing myself in this new home and, like, getting into that new habit that the only way that I've had any type of life is playing my sins' lives. Uh, (laughs) I'm like, let me play my sister's sim for, like, two hours (laughs) to see what she's doing, and now I'll play my sim with my grown-ass daughter, who I'm kicking out now. It's like, yep, this is my life, because I don't have one. (laughs) I, I haven't even had the time to sit down to actually turn on a console. I haven't turned my console on in, like, two weeks. 
because between trying to get this move done right. and get packed up and get out of my house to get into my new place, I've also been traveling a lot for work. I'm getting ready to travel again. I'm going to be gone for four days. And so... It just... The timing of this just couldn't have been stellar yeah, for yeah. you. It's, it's not. It's not. But the nice thing is, is that it primarily has happened, you know, during a primarily lull in, yep. in the industry because we're not getting Not lulls, haha. Lull right. is in, like, a slump. Yeah. Because we're getting ready for E3. And so there are very few big releases that pop out in the window between, you know, really right. May... And July, and well, so I mean, that's just because if they want to do it, if they want to be impactful, they want to you, debut. You want to hold it for E3, and so I'm working on, and that's one of my goals. After I actually get moved and settled, is to actually get my character where they need to be, so I can run the raid because it looks really interesting. And so I really am very proud of Ubisoft for listening to the feedback from the community and changing the game in that way because it's very easy. I think for a, a developer to work on a game and 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 build it and put it out into the world with it being what it is that they intended it for it to be, and then to get some feedback and criticism and be like, hey, we hear you, you know, there are some things that we're going to do, but fundamentally this is the game. It is a big thing, a huge thing to listen to all of that and go, okay, we're actually going to change the core of what our game is because We've missed the mark. Look at what the community is telling us. Look at what the player base is telling us. Look at how fast they're leaving us because these things are a miss. So so let's actually address all of those things and make sure that we nail it this next go-round because this is our player base. This is our fan base. These are the people that are going to make this franchise a franchise. Because remember, you know, this is just Division 2. This is the second outing in what Ubisoft believes is going to be a strong franchise for them. And I will tell you, after playing 2, it does feel miles ahead of where 1 was. It's a much more enjoyable game. Did you finish Division 1 all the way through? Yeah, I finished Campaign. And I did some Dark Zone stuff, but as you know, PvP is not my favorite, player versus player. The only reason why I did any of the Dark Zone stuff that I did was because I had a dedicated crew that we would meet up on Friday nights, and so I had a group that I could trust that wasn't going to turn turncoat on me and take our stuff and all those kinds of things. And so because I was playing with them, it really felt more like Campaign Plus as opposed to PvP. And so I actually enjoyed it when I had a group running through the Dark Zone in the Division way much more than I ever had fun at all in Crucible. Like, I had no fun in Crucible. I've never had fun in Crucible. I don't think I've ever played Crucible. And and that's part of the reason why I backed out of Destiny is because even after D2 came out, they, they kept locking, as far as for me, it felt like a lock. They kept locking some of the more interesting gear, some of the more interesting weapons, and all those things behind completing things in Crucible. Crucible. And Iron Banner. Which is basically crucible. crucible. <laughs> like you want to do crucible over here, or do you want to do it over here? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> over here we call it Iron Banner, and you can get like gold and green and white armor. Over here you're gonna get red and white armor, but you're also gonna get some of the heaviest hitting guns if you can complete all these missions and get this, you know, win streak. And that's not where I was living, and so that wasn't fun for me. Right. And so, like, I played absolutely no crucible. In Destiny 2. And it really pissed me off because at one point I got, you know, in Destiny you have these mythical legendary weapons that you have to go on multi-step campaigns to unlock, right? Right. Okay. And so what super fucking sucked was 
that I was on this one, and I will say double dumbass on me because I didn't look it up online to see, like, how many steps it was and what all the steps were to get it. Is that something that is now expected of players? I don't know that it's expected, but sometimes, you know, when, when a quest line becomes too long... That's my natural default. Like, if I go through four steps and I still get a, hey, here's the next step, then I'm like, okay, well, how many fucking steps yeah, do I but have? Yeah, that, but that comes out of traditional, like, MMOs mm-hmm. because, you know, wow, you'd have very huge quest chains that would take your character over, like, 20 levels mm-hmm. before you finally saw the, the ending of that. And actually, I mean, wow was also really good about making you have to complete PvP to get marks that would unlock other things in it. Right. But you're doing that on teams. It was never one-on-one. It was one team versus the other team. And you still got some variation of those points, whether you win or, you win or lost. Right. So For some of these, you don't. So I was running this one that I had heard was like seven steps. I was on the fifth step of the damn thing. Completed the fifth one, which was really ridiculously difficult because I was like 10 levels under where I needed to be to do it. But the thing that you had to do was basically you had to take out this number of enemies and complete this certain number of Warhive battles. And they were in the DLC section, which I had the DLC because I had bought, you know, the season pass because I don't were, skimp on were, the desk. You were a ride or die. You were going to see that I was ride then, or die, right? So I get to the... You were a cookie... To Lucius. Yep, I, until I Lucius was. showed his ass. Until he Again. Sh- anyway, we're just mixing so many things, right? I know. But, but you're the only person I know who watches Empire, so true. I can only get right? it out with you. But I get to the sixth step, and it's like, okay, now you have to go, and you have to win seven matches in PvP. Fuck that. And Bye. I was like, And I literally deleted the quest. Because yeah. I'm like, I'm not doing this. And it's not like... It wasn't even like compete in seven matches. No, you had to win. win. Now wait, consecutively? Because that would have been a bitch. Oh, I, that, that would have been impossible for me to do. But no, you had to win seven matches. Yeah, no. I was like, I'm not going to win seven matches. Yeah, that's that's bullshit. It's, it's not going to happen because so many times, if I'm on a team in PvP and they're not people I know, if they're losing, people will just start jetting. Yeah. And there's no punishment for it. And so, like, that wasn't going to happen. So I was like, okay, bye. I'm never going to get this weapon now. Because they locked it behind PvP for me. Right. And that's why I abandoned it. And so I feel like, you know, just in what I've read and what I've seen and, and I've talked with some of my friends that are playing the raid, I've got two people at, that I work with right now that, you know, they were singing the praises of it in our little group chat. I feel like it's a really nice addition to the game and I feel like it makes it feel very well-rounded. Okay. And that is something that, in order for the franchise to continue to grow, needs to happen. So that's one thing I wanted to put on the table. I got another thing I'm going to put on the okay. table. So you have I, all this table space. Put yeah, I have like so much table space. So another thing that I want to put on the table is a documentary that I'm fucking addicted to, uh, and it was surprising to me because I didn't expect it. Okay. So I happen to be sitting on my train, taking my train ride home. Which when I commute in and out of work, it takes me about 45 minutes by train to get to my car. So I've got a little chunk I'm of time. I'm not saying anything because I have a dream commute. Okay. <laughs> so I'm working on dream commute. You're you're gonna get there. I'm gonna, gonna get there. And your first day you're gonna be like, I have all this time. Like, what will I do with it? it? Right. But I have 45 minutes on my commute, so more times than not, I watch things on YouTube or I watch K dramas or I you know actually make a swoop through all of my save bookmark you know news websites or whatever, and I still read Kotaku a lot. I have known many, many of the editor that work there. I still know a couple that do. 
and there was an article that was in my reader about a documentary on God of War. Now, we all know how I feel about God of War. Yep. You may actually end up playing some today. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it could happen. It could happen. It's going to happen. Because deals were made and promises were made and they were not kept. But there's this amazing documentary that the Sony Santa Monica team did that they put out on the official PlayStation YouTube. It's uh, just under two hours long. Okay. And I think that it's probably one of the more honest, here's what actually happened on the path to build this game. The holly jolly like celebration stuff and also here's some of our roadblocks. Here's some people getting pissed at people. Here's, you know, sometimes us realizing that things are not working. The whole path of the thing and it is primarily made up of narrative that Corey Barlog, who is the director on on the game, taking you through this journey. And it was really amazing to watch because I think sometimes as players we have this idea of Okay, the way that it works is everybody gets in a room for a couple of days. They nail out what the story is going to be. No, it's not even days. But but again, I think that as gamers, as as people consuming we, we, the media, we fantasize what the process is, right? Until you actually and if if you're the if you're the type that has the skill set that allows you to like pursue this as your career, you I imagine because I've never worked in in games. My husband does. I mean, I could have easily have asked him mm-hmm. if we were going to go this route. I could have asked him if this is true or not. But I imagine that they all go in with like, well, I love games and I can code this. This is this is easy. This is just more of us doing what I already do. Mm-hmm. And it's not even that. There's so much more of a mechanical aspect of all of this from the ground up, establishing this product and bugging it out or debugging it up to a point where they feel good. And that takes, for some decent studios, a while. Yeah. So it's just really interesting because it starts with Corey coming in and talking about, you know, looking at with a very small group, because at the time, Sony Santa Monica Studios was actually, the majority of the studio team was actually working on a different IP that they were building, and they were coding, and they were trying to get that thing to alpha. So they really had a small group of, like, 40 people that were involved in this other project in this top half floor of their studio. And they were basically going through, like, all of this focus group stuff that they'd done in surveys, they had done of people that played the last God of War game and going, oh my gosh, like, here's what people are telling us. They're telling us that, like, Kratos feels old hat. He feels like he hasn't grown. There's, like, only so much anger you can be. You've killed all the gods. Like, eh, right. like I'm done. So how do you reinvent this character? And it talks and brings you through the whole process of how Corey and his team, you know, came back and said, okay... Well, we're going to pitch Kratos is like this and how really at the time many people at the studio weren't bought into that. Right. You know, Kratos is a dad and like what well, this I mean, Kratos means... has always been a father, I think. Or rather, but, no. But I... actively being a dad because that was the core mechanic I think that, of the game. I think game. that's the thing I have, to, I have to dissociate and have to step back because the story was always that he was a father who got tricked into obviously murdering his wife and his, and his kid. Yep. So, you know, so, I mean, he has that guilt and resentment of that action. Uh-huh. And that's one of the things that fuels him on his path for vengeance. But now we're actually seeing him be a father. Right. 
So, because there's a difference. You could, you could be, you could, or rather, I should say, dad, because he's a father to this mm-hmm. this child and this family that we knew nothing about, right. and now we're seeing him be a dad, trying, trying to be a dad to right. boy, right? <laughs> and, and that's the the big journey, and it, like how how do you pitch that in a world of at the time games that were popular were you know shooters and just still at the time you know, PUBG and those kinds of things. I mean, PUBG and Fortnite are still around. Right. But so how, can you imagine what it would be like to pitch this story that, yes, we're going to take this character that has been known to just be violent, full of rage, and then some sex, and we're actually going to tone... And some violent sex, if we're honest. Yep. And we're going to tone that all down, and we're actually going to take him on a journey to, depending upon who you're asking and who's looking at it, to a journey of finally getting closure and moving forward beyond what he was. And I think that, you know, really watching the whole documentary to see different people at different points, how that all changed them, and the fights that they had to go through. You know, there's there's one point in the documentary which is, for me, was really telling. Uh, I actually went back and I watched it a second time because that's, that's how much I found it interesting. And there were pieces that I knew that I missed in my first go-round. But it was really interesting where you get to a point where, you know, they're trying to set the release date for the game. And they get a build, and Corey is just beside himself because, like, it's not anywhere close to where it's supposed to be. Like, they have this all hands, and they throw up the screen, and they're like, okay, so it's this date, and, you know, the plan for us to be at this date was zero bugs, Right now we're tracking 15,000 plus in the system. So, you know, that's a problem, you know, for everybody that, you know, is willing, we're going to adjust some work schedules, you know, so we can try to make it. And you can just see, like, people's shoulders dropping and and, and all those guys. It's very human, the look at it. It doesn't paint just the rainbows of, like, we set out to make a new Kratos and everybody was on board and it all just worked and we put our heads down for four years and it turned out great. I think it was quite smart for them to kind of show crunch mentality. Because I think anyone who works in a, a field where, you know, you are a part of a process that delivers a product medium at all because we've all in a in a way have experienced you know an approaching deadline and a right a rush to the finish but I don't think those experiences with those of us who sit outside of particular types of production ever fully feel the you know the crippling effects of what crunch looks like in something as palatable and tangible and relatable as games are because I mean crunches, you know, for me and the type of work that I do, like, you could definitely see, you know, people pulling in more hours, but I mean, to the to the level that some of these development houses and these teams go through, to me, definitely seems unreasonable and inhuman and really does remove a person from life for a periods, big periods of time. Absolutely. Absolutely. So it's just, it's a very interesting look. If you, you know, uh, I'm assuming if you're listening to this podcast, you probably YouTubes. Definitely check it out. Like I said, it's on the official PlayStation channel. Um, they have it up for the U.S., for the U.K. I want to say that it's also up for PlayStation Brazil with translation, and I believe South America it's up for. It is absolutely worth a watch. Whether you're a fan 
of the franchise or not, whether you're a fan of the platform or not. It's a really interesting look at, at the process. At the process for for something that is so big. You know, we we get a little bit better understanding of like what it takes to get indie games done because I mean, like Super Meat Boy did like a documentary where right. he saw the creator who literally pretty much handmade that game. You know, you saw him going through it with, I think, for the first Super Meat Boy, it was him and a partner mm-hmm. for a while. Yep. Um, and you just see these two passionate guys beating themselves into skeletons, mm-hmm. you know, for this idea that just happened to manifest itself. Right. But I feel like this kind of look into the whole process is something that happens more regularly in the indie space. I don't recall seeing anything like this for a big AAA, you know, they they talk about the reduction in force that they had to do, and how that other IP that was going to be their the well, first because they don't they don't want their audience to see how the sausage gets made. No one wants to see the cute cow, you know. Get most a bolt, people most get, people don't want but, the bolt through the head, and right. No one wants to see all that gore. They just and, want and a you don't necessarily steak on your plate. You don't necessarily get to see that, but it is refreshing to one see. The, I would say the maturity. Of the whole project. This is the first time I've seen it done in a mature way to tell that story. Right. You know, most companies, if there is a riff, you know, a reduction in force, they just say, yeah, we had to make some tough choices and they move past it. Here they talk about, and they even show you some of the art from this IP because Sony Santa Monica was working on their first new IP, hopefully start of a franchise, in the longest time. And, and it didn't make it. And, and so they talk about, Corey talks about at one point, you know, like, we'd had this whole roadmap of, you know, once they finished that IP, probably once we were in, like, year two, we would pick up a lot of their people to work on this title, and then we would, and so they had planned. Right. So that we'd have time to figure out story, and they would figure out models and all that kind of stuff. And then because of the reduction in force, Corey is like, and then all of a sudden we inherit a whole studio of 112 people, and we don't know what to do with them. We don't know how to get them to buy into what we're doing. We haven't slated all the things that we're actually doing in the story and the characters. And they're ready to work and go because they're now not programming. They're now not designing. Right. They're now us and ours and on this program. And it it took us a while to like find our place and find that rhythm and, and get all the meetings together to get everybody brought up to speed on where we were. And then everybody had all their own feelings. And when you're dealing with a lot of creative people... right. They, personalities intentions are going to be high for a while you know and and also it's it's like adjusting a new animal a new pet in the home right and then on top of that you know you also have people who feel like okay well if we're going to do new things here are new ideas we should just you know completely let's just scrap it it and start all over because now we have new ideas so it's really interesting to see that perspective and and to, to hear someone talk about that how they got through that, you know, as a person that manages people, it's a really interesting... I give you a lot of credit because... ...story on, on managing people. And then, you know, there are even heartfelt moments in it, you know, where at one point they're interviewing a lot of the senior leadership, which a big chunk of the senior leadership at uh, Sony Santa Monica are women. And, you know... Yay, that have, women! ...that, you know, have families. And, like, at one point... They're being interviewed and, you know, we talk a lot about production babies and, you know, time spent away from families to do these games. And so they were like, you know, can you talk a little bit about, you know, what, you know, the sacrifice is like and what that payoff is like. And so one woman begins to speak and talks about it and she's like, you know, I have a really 
understanding family and she like looks at the other woman who's in the room and, and they kind of laugh for a minute and she's like you know that understands and supports what it is that I'm trying to do and all these kinds of things and then they turn to the other woman and um, she takes this very deep breath and you can see that she's fighting back, back tears and she's like I don't think I want to answer this question right now and just shuts down mm-hmm. and you're, and exactly like that again the very mature like here like, like I could shit on this right now but I, I think me not speaking to it and you seeing that organic reaction to it would have, would have it speaks deeper. It speaks so much deeper. Than, and, and it's also a very honest right. thing, you know, because a lot of times people in those positions, they have their PR lines, their sound bites, like the things that they're going to say in those interviews. But it was a very real moment. And also there are very real sacrifices that you make. I can only imagine as a woman in that industry at the high position that she's at, that there's a lot of asks and demands of time. And, you know, when you have kids and you have family to be away from them for those big chunks of time because you have to for work, it has to be very, very difficult. Right. You know, because for many people, when they become parents, a big part of their identity is now, I'm so-and-so's mom. I think it's a matter of, you know, it take take a uh, me who's a Sailor Mooney, like I'm a, I'm a Mooney, I'm an anime lover, but Mooney hardcore, you know, and you know for the longest time, very proud to wear it out on my on my clothes and have all my memorabilia out, you know, and at one point I I will have progeny, maybe just one, knowing my luck and our genetics, possibly two at the same mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. but like I know part of me would be like oh. Like, this is, this is a part of me, but now, right, I have this, these lives that are now completely my responsibility, Mm -hmm. you know, and unfortunately humans, unlike, you know, animals who can like learn how to walk within like days, you know, babies are babies for a while. Yeah. They need a lot. They need a lot. Right. You know, so I mean, I then they become tiny humans and they continue to need a lot because they need guidance and they need overwatch and they need rules and they need boundaries and and when you have to not be there to provide those things because you have to go to work and you're essentially using all of your time and energy on this project in the way that you would devote this time and energy to a family gotta be a way there's there's gotta be such a dissonance between that and it's one of the things that like i try to appreciate but until i go through documentaries like this or I see interviews like that and I can hear people share what that experience is to let me in on it, then I understand it even deeper. So it was just a really, really fantastic, you know, two hours almost of taking you through the journey of reinventing this creator. And what it really, really touched off for me is how much video games have grown, right? Because at one point, they showed an early interview back when they were doing God of War 2, where Jaffe was working with Corey on the game. And you can see that Corey at that time was definitely very much like the gamer guy, right? Like, aggressive, a little witty, a little sarcastic, like, right. it's about fucking shit up, and we're fucking shit up, right? Right. And then you fast forward to, through 3, through Ascension, to where we are now in redeveloping, and now... This this guy now has a beard, he's grayed, he now has a child of his own, and and you look at the story of, of what you're doing in the game, it is unlike many video games that I have played in many years, 
on the AAA side because while it does have the game mechanics there and you still are truly fucking things up because you are defeating various massive gods, right. Norse gods, so you're having Norse. these huge fights, okay? But the majority of the game is not that. The majority of the game is really a journey mission to bridge this emotional gap that this guy has with his kid now that his wife is gone. And that is a very mature thing to bring to the table. It's literally like an Instagram filter. In in, in a weird way. In, in the weird panda mind for me. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out how this deep journey is an Instagram filter. No, 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 no. I'm just saying. So, you, you know, you have your flash and your bang. Mm-hmm. You know, God, God of Wars 1, 2, and 3. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and ascension, and, uh, and ascension. You have to say ascension and ascension. Thank you. you know, but like, here, here is this character that people have followed for years mm-hmm. and had this expectation of what this character was. You know, yeah, kind of one note for a while, but you know, it was it, it satisfied that niche that mm-hmm. you needed, and it always came out right that time where you were feeling its lull, yeah. and it would reinvigorate you. But I feel like there. Their demographic has aged, mm-hmm. and the things that they resonate with have changed. Therefore, the medium also has to change. The narrative has to change. So, I mean, like you said, you have all these big traumatic battles, but the motivation for Kratos completely flips. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think you kind of get that with his whole interaction with Pandora, and you could definitely see that he was always kind of conflicted with this mm-hmm. this ideal of dadhood. Mm-hmm. You know, and you kind of saw that through his interactions with her. So... To me, it's kind of just like, hey, it's this, it's this hot guy who's kind of done his thing, and he's always done, like, the side angle Instagram thing, but mm-hmm. now he's doing, like, you know, a Valencia X Pro from, like, a lower angle, and now we're getting a different dimension. That that's I can where, appreciate that piece of the statement. That's where I'm the going. The rest of the millennial explanation for it, I really just have to, like, let go. It's like, but I, we're both getting I, to we the We went from place. Nashville to Valencia X Pro. <laughs> That's all we did. No, I'm just kidding. I'm being completely, <laughs> completely dumb right now. There is so much more going on than than that. Just as I was sitting here thinking, of like it's like an Instagram filter. Because I, because I, I visually can't. okay, but yeah, but just moving right along. High so, contrast, Ansel Adams. Anyway, what I'm saying is... Black and white. Definitely check it out. It's totally worth a watch. It's a very interesting, I think, honest and, you know, deep look into the whole process of redefining a character that already has a deep fandom. The worries that go along with, you know, it, are people going to accept this thing that we're also doing, right? Because that's another big piece right. of it is, not only are we taking this character in a different direction, but what if it fucking fails? Especially after the IP that we were working on also already failed, and, like, people got fired. Like, it's just really interesting, and it's it's humbling, I think, especially at different points where I you get to I think working see... in the games industry is its own game. It, it, it really is, and like, it's very stressful. And, and, and you only have one or two saves at best. And you don't know how many one-mans you have. Right. So, I mean, it's it's a game. with It's like Inception. Yeah, it's a game within a game, but it's super cool. And, hey, it's on YouTube, so it's free. I mean, I like free. Yeah. So, so definitely check it out. If you do, hit us up on our social and let us know what you think about it. I really would love to hear some other people's thoughts on it. But as soon as I saw that there was this documentary, I stopped reading the Kotaku article because I didn't want their opinions 
to sway me and I didn't want them to tell me the rest of the story, I went straight and started watching it. I got so into it that I got to the last stop on my train, didn't realize that the train had stopped, so I had to have a person tell me, it's the last stop, get off the train. So I got off the train. Get off the train, sis. Get off the train. So I got off the train, I went home, and uh, we ordered pizza that night. Yeah. And I, I started watching it uh, again on my big TV and really enjoyed it and then decided, hey, since I enjoyed this so much, I'm actually tomorrow going to watch it from beginning to end without that break and just see how that sits and feels with me the next day. And it it was just really phenomenal. So definitely check it out. And, and I hope that it is a sign of more things to come on the AAA side. You know, I, I don't think that we have to just rely on... Indie. And I think the success of God of War, especially taking Game of the Year at the Video Game Awards, proves that it's not just about the quick bang, shooty, shooty, loot grab. There are, I mean, it can have all those it things. It can have all those things, but it's not just about that. You right. can you can be just as successful. You can have substance with non-substance. Right. And be crazy ass Guys, successful. you can be deep and shallow. Yeah. And still... Find a game that can do both. Win. So yeah. So that can do both. those are those are my my two fun ones. I have one more that I'm going to bring to the table, but you have an anime to talk about, and I'm really interested in your take oh, on God. this anime. I mean, so I mean, as we talk about this, I mean, I actually have a smaller thing I can also throw up because I would actually like to uh, see more of it before I really kind of um, formulate my thoughts on it. Okay, but um, back I want to say a year ago, maybe two years ago. Uh, KBD over at B3Crew.com had started playing or got access to play a little of um, a game called Yuppie Psycho. Okay. I don't recall it, but... So, well, I mean, he hit me up and he was like, this is so up your alley. And then when I looked at it, I'm like, it absolutely is. So, it's kind of like if Corpse Party... Well, one, if someone made it out of Corpse Party and then got a job and then their job fucked up, and got haunted and shit. That's what, like, yupp, Yuppie Psycho is. So, um, briefly, because um, I'm watching Manly Badass Hero play it. Okay. Um, I do plan to pick it up, but kind of in flux here right now. Right. Um, so, he's got about, I think, seven Let's Plays up right now. And I've only seen, like, the first two. Because, like I said, I do plan to play it for myself. Mm-hmm. But you play a character named Brian Pasternak in a, I'm going to say, kind of uh, apocalyptic Hunger Games type of uh, world. Where if you're further out in the rurals, you're kind of like a hick or a boot, like a banjo swinging rednecky type. Okay. And if you are living in the city, you're kind of like better. I don't even like to say that, but classism. Think mm-hmm. about it. Further away yeah. from stuff, you don't know anything. You're yeah. like you're uncultured. a hick. Yeah, you're uncultured. And then if you're in the cities, like you're God's gift to whoever. You're an elite. Got and it. um. And if you're in the cities and you actually excel well, you get jobs at companies. Um, and most people who are living out in the rural areas don't get opportunities to work in the city. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Brian Pasternak gets a job offer at one of the best companies in this this city. Mm-hmm. And like literally it ups him three or four levels. He gets he has to live in the city to maintain this job. He goes from like a class E to a class A. So like it's a big he deal. He made big money moves. But like he only finished general education, so it's really weird that he got this job offer mm-hmm. because like it's like the golden ticket. Mm-hmm. You know, and he goes the first day and he meets another girl. Her name's Kate, but like she has been driven her whole life to succeed. T- took all the classes, just passed her advanced exams. 
And they have this nice interaction on the first floor, and there's a prissier guy who's like, I'm a class B, fuck you, don't talk to me, Mm -hmm. because you're beneath me. Yep. And depending on what floor you work on is your status in the company. Okay. So, like, first floor is, like, grunts, second floor is, like, HR, or, and, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So the pompous guy thinks he's going to like floor seven and he gets dropped off at like floor three. So it's like, oh, he's not nearly as great as he thinks he is. Right. And then Kate gets put on uh, the girl. Her name's Kate. She gets put on, I think, floor four. But she does analytics. So she's like, that's where I was kind of ex- anticipating they were going to land me. But that's fine because it's what I specialize in. Mm-hmm. And off she goes. And like there's a camera on this elevator and... Someone calls out your name for you to, you can't just go into an elevator. Like, they put you where you're supposed to go. So as Brian, uh, you're waiting for them to call your name, and it seems like it's not going to. So you're like, oh, this must be a prank. Someone really got me. And he goes to leave, and the door's open, and he goes in, and it sends them all the way to the top floor. Which, mm, nope, 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 no. nope, no, no, no. That's just a whole lot of no. Um, and when he gets up there, like, it's like a penthouse, like, office for like a CEO and like it's got weird looking art and like one of them literally looked like you know scratch marks and blood and stuff and there's a contract on the table telling him that once he signs this he'll automatically go up in status he'll get so much money he'll get the ability to do all this stuff but he has to sign this contract you know and he reads the whole thing out the character reads the whole contract out there's a lot of obviously legal babble in there but if someone who studied law I was like oh no no Ooh, did, and he doesn't know any better. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, I don't really understand this, but this is like an opportunity of a lifetime. And he goes and he signs it. And all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, and your job is to kill the witch. And no specification about what that even means. He goes back into the elevator and it puts him on floor five where he meets this guy named Hugo and this woman named Sosa. And they're like, yeah, we don't exactly know what your job is. You have to boot up your computer and the internet will give you your first order. You know, but like, it's your first day, so like, chillax. And like, he has to get a badge to operate his computer and that's like your first mission is to get your ID badge. Okay. And um, and as you do that, you end up going to a different floor and you come across a room that literally people have been butchered in. Like, people are hanging from their feet, intestines everywhere, monsters, and like, People are not acting like this is a big deal, and it clearly is. You find out that the company has been rotting from the inside for years because there isn't a single boss in the building. All the bosses went nuts and turned into monsters. And it's and there is speculation that the witch is causing that, and there have been hunters who have been tasked to kill the witch, but the witch has been successful up till this point. So Brian links up that, oh, he's this hunter, but he's not allowed to disclose that he's a hunter because if the witch is real, she'll then know who it is and mm-hmm. will be able to, you know, end him. Yep. So you're trying to work with this uh, AI program that I don't think is all that it's saying that it is. I don't know yet. But you're working with it to get all the pieces that you need that would allow you to actually take on the witch while not disclosing to anyone what your job is and also not dying while you're there. But it seems really interesting, and I am very much into what it's kind of saying about the corporate lifestyle, mm-hmm. and because it, it's saying a lot of things that I think a lot of people feel in yep. their work, in their work uh, at, lives. at various times. Absolutely, you know, it's like, oh, I work for this system, and its values are completely different from mine, and it's all doggy dog world, and it's 
you know, what can you do for me now? And all, so, I mean, right. it's, it, it deals with all that stuff while also being like a traditional, you know, RPG horror, which I happen to like. Yeah. Um, so I'm looking well, it's forward. a special place in your heart. It, in my heart, in my brain and in my butt. Your heart's on the other side. Are you sure? Yeah. Maybe I have two hearts. I don't think so. I'm an alien. No. <laughs> well, I mean, maybe. Maybe. Yuppie Psycho is out there, and I am looking forward to playing that through. Um, PC? Yes. Uh, right now. I did hear that they Steam are... Steam th- Epic Store? Yep. And I also think we're going to see a port of it to the Switch. Okay. So we will see it. The thing I really wanted to talk about, because yes. I sat through two seasons of this, so I actually watched an anime, guys. What? Which I haven't watched in, like... Months. I'd even say pretty close to almost a year since I've religiously watched yep. a series. Yep. And um, and it had been popping up on Hulu, and it definitely was something that I think, if I had still been in my stride of anime, it would have been something I've already watched, because it kind of had a clamp feel to it mm. in terms of its animation. And I'm talking about Vampire Hunter. Uh, okay. I'm sorry, Vampire Knight. I was sorry. about to say, Vampire Hunter, it's very different series Vampire than Vampire Hunter Knight. Vampire which is still one of my favorite movies and like miniseries of all time. Anyway. Yeah. Um, you're digressing. So, so, yes. So, Vampire Knight, which I was so about it for the first season. Like, I was very much about it. Let's take a step back. What is the core so, story? So, the core story is a love triangle between... Two humans and a vampire. Mm-hmm. So you've got your main character, Milk Toast Girl Yuki. Super energetic, kind of remind me a little bit of like Sora from Kaleidostar. Yeah. Like, you know, that full Very... of Yankee and like, I believe in, you know, and you know, she's clearly way too happy, so you know something horrible happened to her. Yep. <laughs> yep. You know, and then she's got like, I don't want to say friend, but she has a comrade of sorts. His name is Zero. He has a tragic backstory that led them to kind of, I don't, link up isn't the right word, but they have a shared emotional resonance, mm-hmm. and I think that's what allows them to... Companionship. Yeah. Like, you went through shit, I went through shit, the shits are relatively similar, we can navigate this space together. Right, because we understand we've both been through shit. And they're, they've both been adopted by the headmaster of this school. Mm-hmm. The thing about this school is, there's a day class, yep. where... Yuki and Zero and other students go to, but they also have a night class where there's about 10 to 12 students who attend the night class, and they are all vampires. Yep. Because the headmaster wants to, wanted to create a space where vampires and humans could peacefully, peacefully coexist. Yep. Uh, That's the key word there. Coexist. Um, and you find out that the headmaster used to be like a super bomb vampire hunter back in the day. And I think he has conflict about his choice in life, which is why he is so trying to get this to work mm-hmm. so that he can leave that legacy behind mm-hmm. and leave a legacy, a lasting legacy of being someone who brought together, not someone that destroyed. Right. I feel that you are accurate yeah. in your assumptions. So, that, so that's that. So you find out that Yuki was little, and she was walking around outside at night in the snow. <sighs> Yuki, purity. <laughs> Get it. I see you, vampire Doesn't night. Yuki mean snow? Yes. Okay. <laughs> anyway, and she's like youthful, and a bad vampire was going to eat her. Mm-hmm. And right before the strike, someone jumped in and rescued her. Mm-hmm. And... 
You know, so she has, you know, there's a scary vampire and I'm so scared and he's going to eat me. And no, this other scary vampire who's also kind of attractive just saved me. And she kind of has this hero, you know, this idolization complex over the the vampire who saved her life. Mm -hmm. Um, And his name is, uh, I'm going to butcher it, but I think it's like Kaname. Mm -hmm. And she immediately is like, you saved my life. I owe my life to you. And like, she's little. So she kind of looks up to him in like a big brother Mm -hmm way yep you know like oh i owe my life to you and he's you know an old vampire you know granted he looks maybe 13 or 14 yeah at this point so apparently in this universe you vampires do age just yes. slower mm-hmm. way slower yep so it's not like eternal youth because he'd always be 13 and that's not they can't mm-hmm. do that they mm-hmm. have to let him look legal <laughs> very important to look legal because it's anime because it's anime it's important to be legal not just look legal well anime <laughs> in anime um so you you find out that the headmaster knows about Kaname and actually knows that Kaname is a pure blood vampire, mm-hmm. which this series likes to play with the trope of you know it's not just being bitten by any vampire that turns a human to a vampire; it's only bites from pure blood vampires that cause a turn. Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, don't go out there and be bit by people because that's like gross. Yeah, that's not cool. But like, also it's painful. Yeah. Um, but they like to stipulate that, you know, even if you get bit by a pure blood vampire, that you don't turn into like a beautiful, like diamond encrusted vampire. You eventually you don't sparkle into light. No, you begin to devolve into like a very primal, hungry, de- like decrepit type of ver. You go and you become Nosferatu. Es- essentially, um, you devolve to what they call the level E class, which is literally just like a rabid dog who just wants to eat. And Conaway wants to... Conaway. Yeah, Conaway, sorry. Wants to... um, What he believes in the ideals that the headmaster believes in. Uh, I think it's because his uh, his intentions are not exactly... um, Pure? They're not Yuki? Oh, wait, they are Yuki. They they are very much Yuki. Mm -hmm. And um, so, like, she's kind of vibing on him, but knows that they can never be because, you know, he's a vampire and she's human. Yeah. And, like, he's trying to be respectable, I think, in the beginning, and yes, I'm just gonna be close. Like, I saved you, we can be friends, like, I'd like to broker this coexistence thing, and then it kind of seemed like, oh no, he kind of digs her. I kind of got creeped out by it, because it kind of reminded me of Jacob from Twilight imprinting Mm -hmm. on Bella's daughter in the third book, which I heard about, because I didn't read the Twilight books, but I I love how you very quickly, like, I'm getting this statement out. I did not read the book. No, but I I heard the hate train about all that, and personally, I have an issue with that, uh, personally. So I was like, ooh, I don't know how this is going to go, unless he's just going to be, like, a knight in shining armor who always comes to a rescue, but, like, they never cross that line. Because, you know, he, like, over a thousand, and, like, when he first meets her, she's probably, like, five. Like, calm it down, sir. Calm it down. And, of course, Zero, the other kid in this mix... Um, was from a line of vampire hunters. Yeah. And uh, actually, his whole family had been slaughtered by a pure-blood vampire, and this vampire also bit him. So he is... Pro- he's he's turning into a vampire. Um, and he's been hiding it for a while. The headmaster's aware of it because his, the headmaster's been giving him stuff to allow him to, like, fight it. Mm-hmm. But it's not something that can can be overcome. Mm-hmm. Like, it's a management 
type of deal. But he's like, I'm going to raise him as a human because he, he's, he's from a vampire hunter family, you know, and he was actually a twin. And there's a whole subplot in the series about how vampire hunter families are kind of cursed to never have twins because they will fight, the babies will fight in the womb and a superior hunter will be born because one will eat the other one, but they manage to both be born. So, of course, there's, like, this subplot with the younger brother who is kind of weaker, you know, always feeling like they were, he was looked down on, even though his brother Zero was always, like, in his side, which kind of led to more resentment because he felt like he was being pitied. Mm-hmm. And that's not the case ever in anime. No. <laughs> ever. No. Misunderstanding. And you find out that the, the weaker twin actually was in cahoots with the vampire that killed their parents because they were contracted to kill her ex-human, which were humans that are bitten by purebloods, but are not fully turned, uh-huh. but are maintained through being around a pureblood uh-huh. um, and stuff. Because like there's this weird process of accepting a purebloods blood that would turn you into a full vampire, mm-hmm. but most of them won't do that, mm-hmm. you know, because it's the big bargaining chip. Mm-hmm. But these hunters were contracted to kill her ex-human, and she actually really loved him. So she was out for revenge against their parents and was going to kill them anyway. And the younger twin thought that she would then bestow him with the power to be a vampire, but then she chose the stronger brother instead. So he still had harboring resentments that didn't have anything to do with his brother in the first place. So you have your basic high school jinx between, you know, Yuki being a guardian that, you know, patrols the school at night because, you know, you've got young girls and super hot vampire boys Mm -hmm. and they want to take the photos and they want to, like, see them and, like, they can't be because, you know, these are vampires. They they do like blood. They could be, like, you looking like a snack and not in the way that you think. Right. So, you know, so they're like, nope, there's no intermingling of the classes, except for at, like, two socialized events that's highly guarded. Like, there's no forbidden pictures of them. Like, there's confiscation of, like, photos that are taken without permission. Mm-hmm. During Valentine's Day, they literally have, like, fan booths where you can present your, your chocolates to them because, like, they want to broker this, but they can't just have them nilly because someone's going to eat somebody. Right. And um, not in the good way. Not in the great way. Mm-hmm. So... So you have this love triangle between Yuki, Kaname, even though it's not exactly because, like, she definitely has a thing for him. And you can tell right off the bat that he has a very strong interest in her, you know. But then at a point, you know, she's fully resigned herself to, I will just admire from afar because I cannot, we can, I cannot cross that line. And they don't really talk about how you turn vampires She's she is just aware that if you get bit by a vampire, you could turn. And later on, it's divulged that it has to be a pure blood that causes this. So, like I said, Zero is struggling and right. is trying to keep his urges because he's he's it's coming. The change is coming, and he does in fact turn. And he is with Yuki when it happens, and he bites her. Bites are very bad. And um, the minute anyone bites anyone in this series, it's like a stock footage, like ah. And like all of, yeah, and you, after after 30, 13 episodes of that, I'm like, oh great, stop biting people, just stop. And bite uh, animation, and okay. There's a lot of reusing of sounds, and at one point, my husband was just like, oh, someone got bit again. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yep, yeah, oh, like four of them, all in the same. 
Like it, it, it got pretty, got pretty funny. And um, it, in the minute that she gets bit, like all the vampires, because it's always at night. Like no one's biting anybody during the day. Well, well, I mean, because if, it, but these vampires can walk around ish in the light. Like they can be outside during the day. Just it drains them, and they get really, really sleepy. So it's not like they walk outside and they burst into flames. Like they're playing around with the tropes of what mm-hmm. makes a vampire a vampire in the series, which I actually did appreciate. You know, Zero has to resign himself to the fact that he's been changed. He's got this harboring grudge against the woman who turned him, and he wants to kill her. So he is on this revenge path. But she, he thinks that she's dead because she hasn't been around in forever. Well, nah, she's not dead because that would be the end of the series. Right. So are we passing the bridge now into season two? <laughs> Close. Okay. So she, she infiltrates the school because purebloods have, like, there are higher-born vampires that aren't exactly... Pu- Pure bloods, but like they manifest certain powers, but then pure bloods have like, you know, original S class status. Mm-hmm. Like they got so many powers that regular highborns don't have, you know, so you don't know exactly what Kaname has the ability to do. And you don't know this until this other pure blood shows up because you see her using other abilities, like being able to erase memories and being able mm. to possess other vampires in her lineage line. Mm. which is what she does to infiltrate the school. And she you're not sure what she's doing there because she's not aware that Zero's at the school when she shows up. So I'm like, what? Oh, maybe she's trying to get at this other pureblood. Mm-hmm. Because there's a big taboo of purebloods drinking other purebloods' blood. It's like a big no-no, and they have like a vampire senate that's like, mm-hmm. you can't do that. because Vampire senate. Yeah, Got it. yeah okay. they have a vampire senate. They have like a hunter collaborative where all the vampire hunters are all like we're like mercenaries and we take out the bad guys but we also kind of work with the senate to help them get rid of their level e's and like it's all shady shit she the the female high born or i think her name's Hio, realizes that zero well he still has a grudge for her and wants to end her she he has taken a stronger companionship to yuki and she doesn't care for that too much so she is trying to find a way to sever that connection between the two of them and also achieve her directive, which I think she actually kind of was aiming to kill Kaname and get whatever blessing or curse that would have befallen her if she had done it. Um, But Kaname seems to be ahead of the game and kind of knows that's what she's doing. Mm -hmm. Um, So he kind of puts all these highborns together, trying to get her to trip up, you know, so he can come in there and like, find a way to politically get rid of her from the school because he can't just outright um, attack her because, you know, bureaucracy and red tape for vampires and all of that. So he has to do it underhandedly. Um, And it gets to a point where he actually succeeds, gets her, and then he does, in fact, because in order to kill a a pureblood, you have to rip their heart out, completely sever their head. Because if you don't, they can resurrect themselves. And she's like, I was thinking about killing you, but I wasn't sure. And he's like, well, I've thought about it. And he completely kills her. Now, the thing is, like I said, purebloods, when they bite people, will turn those people into vampires. It's only when the pureblood offers their blood to that now-turned-vampire that they will not degenerate into a level E. They'll just become a full vampire. So, Kaname kind of fucked Zero in the chance of ever becoming a full vampire, and he would always fight his level E urges because... He could never get the blood of his master, the one who turned him. Mm-hmm. So that's where the first season kind of ends off with this, oh, I fucked your chance. 
sort of. Also, by the way, I don't like how close you're, you're to Yuki, so I'm just going to use you to be a shield until I can get what I want. And then the series shifts into the second, which is far more him, Kaname, setting the pieces in place to kind of groom Yuki more. And this is where I was like... I, you I don't like your body posture when you said that. Well, yeah, because... You know, like I said, like, he's been around with her since she was, like, six. She's in high school now, so she's, like, probably 15, 16. And once again, he's, like, a millennia old. Like, yeah, he looks hot, but, like, he's been around for a while, you know? Like a good long while. Like a good while. You know, and like I said, like, she's all conflicted because she's like, I want, I want to love him, but I know I really can't. And, like, she starts seeing the hierarchy of pure bloods because it's frowned upon of pure blood to even marry into a highborn family. Pure bloods are supposed to seek other pure bloods, mm-hmm. which I was like, oh, okay, so this is like upper class with upper class, but mm-hmm. no, it's more than that. Most pure blood families are like family. Yep. Mm-hmm. In order to keep the bloodlines pure. pure. Mm-hmm. So, you know, and you can just like, well, I'm like, he's he's the only heir to his family. Like, there's no. Like, he will have to marry down, Mm -hmm. essentially. You know, and she's like, but I'm not even a vampire, so it will never be me, and I have to get over that. You know, and he's like, you know, I could turn you. If you're ready to not be a human, we could do this. And, like, he's all up in her neck, and, like, they're really good at making those sex... The sexy bites look sexy, and Mm -hmm. the painful bites not look too fun. You know, and he's all ready to get all up in that neck, and I'm like, yeah, buddy. (laughs) Hello. And then your brain kicks in. And then I'm like... She's 15. And he's like... Right. But you know... But like... I've He's had, been jocking her since she was five. I, I... I have an issue here. And it's funny because like... I watched Ancient Magus Bride and I had less of an issue about that. I had no issues with Ancient Magus Bride. Like... And I mean you kind of have that same deal with you have like this... Question mark aged male entity with this... I mean granted she's a little bit older to start... Mm-hmm. But, you know, you also kind of had that, you're my slave, and then you're also my bride. Like, it also teetered a line, but I was more about that than this, mm-hmm. even though they've had an established relationship. So, let me fast forward a little bit, because there is a lot of stuff that happens in the second season. But you find out that, like I said, Yuki is the adoptive da- daughter of the headmaster. She's not fully aware of that. No one's ever told her. And you find out that Yuki is actually... <laughs> the last female of Kaname's bloodline. So they are brother and sister. And Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I remember that episode. Yeah. And and their parents, Haruka and Juri, were brother and sister. Mm-hmm. They were married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and because there weren't that many pure uh pure blood women in this line, they also have an older brother Yep. Who, I guess they had a child before mm-hmm. Kaname, yep. and he did some stuff. Yeah, yeah, he did. So when Jerry found out she was pregnant with another child, um, one, I guess vampires have a good way of knowing what gender it's going to be. Yep. So the minute they knew that she was pregnant with a girl, they literally hid underground and kept Yuki hidden away. Yep. Because they didn't want their brother... To figure out that there was another pure blood 
in, Female, their family, in their family so that he could like do stuff yep. <laughs> that was not great. And they sent Kaname out to like figure out what his plan was. And he's a youngish vampire at this point, you know, and like he would come and like visit a little bit. And like, you can tell that they have this understanding and this relationship and it's cute and it's honest and it's pure, but then you, but, but then they it's rel- not because they brother and sister, man. Right. And, and it, yeah, Yuki is a pure blood vampire. Yeah. So, so this night, the, the brother, mm-hmm. uh, Reem. Yeah. Reem. I think he shows up because he finds them, Yep. you know, and the brothers have like their, we're going to fight and they fight and, the Haruka, the, the father, turns to Jiren and he's like, you discussed something with me before all this. I'm giving you my okay to do it. Let's give our daughter a different chance in life. So apparently purebloods can also, like, dampen or hide or repress the vampire Well, you part? gotta remember. So so the way that I interpreted all that, because I've watched those episodes multiple times. Oh, man. To make sure that I wasn't missing it, because I watched Vampire Night years ago. The thing about it was... That remember, pure bloods have all different kinds of powers. powers. Some of them are repressing and changing memories. And so, what they did was they changed Yuki's memory so that she had no memory of ever mm-hmm. being a vampire. And so, therefore, her only reality, the only memory that she had, was that she was a human. So, that's how she was able to live. But she would have those spells. And wouldn't understand them. Like, oh yeah, I'm just really tired today. Well, because pure bloods, unlike regular vampires, they don't hunger for blood the way mm-hmm. other vampires do. Right. Like they can resist, I mm-hmm. think, better than exactly. highborns or regular. So they just changed her memory so that she had no memory of oh of ever and being th- exactly. And okay, because so I was, was like, to, wait, to you by. can like denounce vampirehood? You can do that because again. They don't have the hunger like others. Right. So it was merely just convincing her that she was always human. a human. And and so, like, this whole time, you know, here here we have this main character who's like, yeah, I'm human and I can never be with the love of my life. Oh, wait, my love of my life is my brother. And also, at this point now, we find out that I'm also a vampire. Because they've been keeping her so hidden that the the bad uncle, who got taken out a bit, has been slowly regenerating because they didn't take out his head or his heart. So mm-hmm. it just took him a really long time to get all the pieces back together. But once they did, Kaname is like, look, like I should have gotten rid of you the right way the first time. I'm going to do that now. And you're going to leave me and my sister alone also, I also kind of feel bad because I put this other guy in line with my sister, and I know she's got feelings there too, which makes me kind of mad because, you know, all these years I've been right here and she's never... So, like, there's a lot of angsty emo brothers. Long story short, the good, the good guys win, and they beat the bad uncle, and he never gets to do the bad thing, which is good. Um, but then there's the whole, which, which, which will she choose? The man that she loved her whole life, who is her brother and is a pure-blood vampire that she does, in fact, love and has an attachment to? Or, like, her super best friend who got turned into a vampire and super hates his lot in life and also kind of hates that she's a vampire, too, but they are, and that could also work. And at the end of Guilty, which is the second season, she does end up choosing to go with Kaname. And I actually did some research into the manga, Mm -hmm. because the manga goes into a lot more shit. (laughs) 
where she does, in fact, you know, lay with her brother and they do have a baby, but the bad uncle had, like, a secret militia Senate group helping him do shit, and they descend on her and her baby and him, and he sacrifices himself to make anti-vampire weapons that vampires can hold, because, by the way, if you're a vampire, you can't hold anti-vampire weapons, as they show in the second season a little Mm -hmm. bit, until, you know, she proves that she can, because, you know, she's a Mary Sue. But... Uh, but her, her husband, Kaname, sacrifices himself to help develop this weapon that she can use to fight against vampires who are, like, trying to do bad things to them. And she ends up going back to Zero and then has a baby with Zero. And the, and she's she's got a son with Zero and she has a daughter with Kaname. And it kind of seems like they're going to set up to them together. And I mean, they have siblings now. That's less bad, but it's still bad, <laughs> you know? So I know before I used to tease about, hey, incest is, is okay in anime. And I, incest is wrong. Yeah, dude. Like, no. <laughs> Just say no. <laughs> like, I, I, if your mom is my mom, just say no. Just say no. Like, okay, half half brother and sister, like, uh, no. And here, here's why I'm going to say this, okay? I don't know. And it, it's not going to, it's not pretty. It's not pretty. Okay, back, back. Are you sure you want to say it? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, I'm fearless. So back, back in my day, when I used to read books, like, a lot, because, like, I used to wear the the R.L. Stein Fear Street books mm-hmm. because you had a whole bunch of them and, like, one of yep. them, like, used to scare the fuck out of me because mm-hmm. I had, like, a skull on it, the cheerleader series. I was all about R.L. Stein Fear Street mm-hmm. books for the longest time. And then when I finally got out of that phase, I was like, I need something a little more sinister and dark and sexy in my 14s, in my teens. So I went down a little avenue called V.C. Andrews. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Yes, I did. Flowers in the Attic. Oh, no. (laughs) Which, yeah, I don't. Oh, no. And and there was a whole, me and several of my girlfriends Mm. who I'm still friends with all remember us avidly reading these books. Where it's like, oh, by the way, like, we've kind of, like, adopted this boy. He's no relation to you. And, like, there's always been this weird sexual tension. Oh, wait, you find out that you're half-brother, but you slept with him, like, eight times. What you gonna do? It's okay! And, or it's not okay, and I'm gonna kill him. And, like, it was always one of those don't two things. Don't blame me for your VC Andrews. I don't want that responsibility. <laughs> I just, not fair. I'm just saying that in your fantasy... In your books that are not real, okay. So, I mean, I guess in your anime, it's also okay. But me now coming back to it as a 34-year-old woman, I has reservations now (laughs) about the logic of it all. And just say no. Just say no. (laughs) Just say no. Just say no. I mean, I thought the anime's animation style, because, I mean, this, this series was back in, like, 2009. I think yes. it ran to about mm-hmm. 2013. And, I mean, like, some of the slow shots were just way too slow. Yeah. And some of the audio was definitely questionable and got way too repetitive. And this is someone who watched Sailor Moon religiously. In the name of the moon! Like, I can, I can still do all the poses from all of their main attacks. And, like... 
I'm just saying that even I, who watched a series that was pretty much all recuts of different scenes and recycled a bunch of scenes, that a I, bunch. I mean, all the time, every episode. <laughs> I mean, like every, every other ep- scene, every other scene. That even with that under my belt, found myself more annoyed by vampires' mm-hmm. nights uses than mm-hmm. Sailor Moons. So, if you are a consenting adult. <laughs> Who understands the difference between reality and fantasy. Mm-hmm. It's not a horrible series. No. It does have a really big overarching about acceptance and growth. Mm-hmm. But also it has incest in it. <laughs> that you may or may not be about in your fantasy. And what I will say is... Don't. <laughs> don't do it. Well, that and also... It is different watching the series on Hulu than it is watching it on Oh, do they edit the shit out of it? There are things that are not in the Crunchyroll version that are in the Hulu version. Oh, Just like like the irregular at, um, what was it? The irregular at high school. I don't, I didn't see that Oh, you, well. No, don't. (laughs) Your eyes just said, do it at your own risk, but don't. (laughs) If it got incest in it, where are you watching it? <laughs> Here's the thing, though. In the irregular, yes, but also no. How? Maybe. Oh, so, was it like Own a Guy Twins? Where it's like they could be related or they could not be related. You so, won't find out till the very last episode. So, so basically, in the irregular. You, you have this brother and sister, they're in high school. We learn that the brother is actually this, like, super amazing covert agent for the government because this is a world in where people have magic and magic is heavily regu- regulated. Oh, of course it is. And so for the people that use magic in unregulated ways to cause danger or harm, they are dealt with. And there's also a class system, you okay. know, because there are people who have more power are able to do higher level magic circles and spells and got it bible all that class kind of stuff. yeah yeah Does, do any Just, of them use sexy magic no cuz that's what bible black was right no is no is no that okay. is no that but there are these classes and so there is this school and the female protagonist the younger sister of the, of the pair is super fucking powerful so you basically it's like harry potter you go through sorting and you either are a no symbol or a bloom and a bloom means that you have like higher level magic got it right and so the sister is a bloom okay the brother comes through who is the older brother and he is not he is no symbol okay okay and and you learn as you go through the series that it's not that he doesn't have magical power that he can't use it it's that he is so super fucking OP when you learn what he's actually doing on a daily basis. Is he like by hiding minute. his level? It's not that he's hiding his level. It's that nothing can actually read his fucking level. Oh, so it's well and over so that's, 9,000. It's well over 9,000. And so that's why the test came up of like no level because it didn't know how to calculate his level. So like his power is so powerful that he is actually able to through his magic and does on a daily basis back up his entire surroundings in a spell. So, like, you get way, 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 so way... So, wait, he has, like, an infinite save? So you get way, way, way deep into oh my the fucking God. series, and, like, they're fighting this big battle because the people who are fighting the upper class and the echelon are just blowing people out of the water, and some of the students actually die, and the brother is there when it happens. Oh, he and resets! And he resets. And all the kids are, like, being flown out that have been reset, 
And they're just like, but I remember, like, I was blown in half. And, like, you can see. Hey, shh, be quiet. You're here now, right? right? And you can and you can see, like, and they pan back to them literally being in two pieces. Like, I just don't understand. And so the like, sister. Like, I had a splitting headache because my head got ripped off. The now sister I just have the headache. begins to explain, no, my brother brought you back with his power. And then, so everyone's like, well, if he has his power, why doesn't he bring everybody back? And she explains. You don't understand. For for everything we do, there is a price that has to be paid. In order for my brother to bring somebody back and and use the spell that he has, he has to afflict upon himself ten thousand fold the hurt and the damage that they've done to reconstruct it. So when he brought you back from being sliced in half, at the oh. same time as this other person who was shot through the heart, he felt both of your pains at the same time, magnified by ten thousand fold. So whatever he uses the spell to. Like in the series, no, does he, he, no, he never he just, shows it. Just keeps walking, keeps doing his business. So oh, again, wow. super fucking okay. So wait, so, now in their family, this is where I get to like the incest. It maybe, is, but no, is, but is, but because you say he's a maybe. secret agent. Sister right. doesn't know he's a secret agent. She knows. Oh, okay, okay. But what you, what we are exposed to in the series, and they don't really piece it together well, is it appears that he was adopted. Okay. Into the family. So he, well, I mean, even in some anime situations when people get adopted, they could and still be And that's why I say maybe. Because he could have been from another part of the family, so there might still be right. some blood so, like, in there. So, like, their, their mother and their, their aunts and their family members absolutely fucking hate him. They don't treat him like family. She is the, the younger sister, is the princess on the pedestal. So that's where I'm kind of like... Maybe he's actually, like, of no blood relation, but they put him on the family rules, so he's family, but, but he's not... also been in this family unit, and she's always perceived him as such, so that relationship is familial. But she wants to bone him, and There's he, a lot of brother-sister anime. He kind of doesn't dissuade her. Just say no. Just... We, we're saying on this podcast... Just say no. I mean, we're, we're gonna wrap this up because yeah, we've gone to a just place. Just say no. We went to a place that we did not intend to go to today. Yeah, no. Sorry. But maybe I should have gone did. <laughs> And you know, it's okay. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then please make sure that you check it out. You can get it right on our website, electricsisterhood.com. You can check out the podcast directory at the top of the website. You can go through our entire archive of 600 plus episodes. They're not all about incest. No, I mean, there's but a there's, chunk that are. chunk that is, though. But you can listen to some other amazing game and anime and just nerdy in general conversations right there on our website, as well as check out all the other amazing reviews and previews from our entire team of content creators. You can also get the podcast in iTunes, either on the desktop or through the podcast application on your iOS device by searching for the Eshcast and subscribing. You can also get us on Google Play. You can get us on Stitcher Radio. You can get us pretty much where any fine podcasts are purveyed. So please make sure that you seek us out, that you subscribe, so that way you'll get brand new episodes every week when we put them out for your listening enjoyment. If you like what we do here at Esh, then please make sure that you check out all the other great content creators that are part of our network. That includes our homie King Baby Duck over at B3Crew.com and his bi-weekly podcast, No Borders, No Race. That includes our, our, our friend in foreverness, Hamsterman2049 over at Smashwork.com with his live plays Wednesday nights. Shout out to him for graduating and Woo-hoo! getting that degree. Get your alert on! Yay! 
But you can check out his live streams on Twitch TV, 9 p.m. Eastern, every Wednesday night. One of my favorite human beings on the planet, Phil the Issues Guy with Phil's Recap and Review. Absolutely check out his Game of Thrones Season 8 recaps. They are just delicious. Oh, I can't wait to see how he recaps the final episode. It it should be balls. You can check him out on his YouTube channel. Bill's recap and review and subscribe. You can call in live, be part of chat, and be part of the show. And you can check out his archive on his website, issuesprogram.com. And last but certainly not least, our homies over at nerdcrave.com, keeping you up to date with all the stuff nerds crave, whether it's comic books, video games, movies, anime, just nerdy TV or more. If it's nerdy in any way, the nerds over at nerdcrave are talking about it. So please make sure that you check out all of our sites. Bookmark them all. You can hit us up on our social. We are at ESH News on Instagram, at ESH News on Twitter, and you can find us on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash landavesh. If you have a question, a comment, or something that you want to share with us, just hit us up. We're happy to answer you back. And if we talk about your topic or you on the show, you get a shout out. You get to be internet famous. You get to be internet famous. We can be internet famous together. Together! So as always, I'm Ninja Sister. And I'm Pandalicious. Until next time, folks. Don't do it. <laughs>